Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Mysterious Michigander Podcast, the podcast that brings the spookiest of the paranormal and the most chilling of true crime directly to you. Welcome to the Mysterious Michigander Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Ryan Ross. And first and foremost, happy Halloween, everybody. Everybody be safe out there tonight when you go trick-or-treating. Make sure to get some good goodies tonight. Now, before we get started, I wanted to give a little bit of background, being that this is our very first episode, about how this show is going to work. We have set up an email for you to contact us and let us know what you'd like to hear on the show in upcoming episodes. The email for that is mysteriousmichigander at gmail.com. So go ahead, drop us a line if you have any feedback or there's something you'd like to hear on the show. Don't be afraid to contact us. Now, before we get started, um, we definitely wanted to set a little bit of a baseline on urban legends in Michigan. Now, I feel like this kind of topic does not get talked about a lot, specifically because we take the normality of how our state can be for granted. Everyone talks about how boring Michigan can be. I say these 10 urban legends completely throw that out the window. And beginning our list at number 10, we've got the Blood Road Cults. This ominously named stretch of turf near Flint has a distinct red color. Allegedly, this is from years of satanic sacrifices back in the 1600s, as well as a man dumping the body of his murdered wife in a nearby swamp. Visitors have claimed to see hooded figures along the road, meaning it may still be a cult gathering spot to this day. Now, coming next to number nine, we've got Eloise, perhaps Michigan's most infamous haunted attraction for all the right reasons. This massive complex formerly housed over 10,000 patients in its psychiatric hospital, began as a poorhouse in 1832 before becoming a psychiatric hospital in the early 1900s. The abandoned hospital is said to be host to screaming ghosts of former patients and the nearby cemetery, no shocker at all, is no less haunted. Um, I, I've had my share of experiences in cemeteries that are pretty crazy myself. Um, here in Battle Creek, we have a place called Oak Hill Cemetery. It's where some of the most elite of the elite throughout Battle Creek history are buried, including um, abolitionist Sojourner Truth. Um, we also have C.W. Post and W.K. Kellogg buried there, the pioneers of two of the biggest cereal companies in the world, and also um, rock and roll star Junior Walker from Junior Walker and the All-Stars is also located in that area. Um, I've had my own experiences there, so honestly, you can't expect cemeteries not to be haunted. That's just... come on. <laughs> so next on our list, we've got Hell's Bridge. Now, this one would be... Really, really scary, even without the ghost story that comes along with it. So, um, the story goes that demons possessed a man by the name of Elias Frisk, who kidnapped, tortured, and murdered a series of children before disposing of their bodies underneath the bridge like a demonic troll. Um, the townspeople eventually hung Frisk from the bridge itself before the current carried his body away. Great idea, because... The demons that allegedly possessed Frisk still haunt this ominous crossing today. That's a big nope from me. Demons are where I stop. <laughs> so um, if you want to check it out, go for it. But I would definitely not recommend it. <laughs> Next on our list is the Lake Michigan Triangle. So move over Bermuda. We've got our own triangle here in the Great Lakes State. So um, this stretch of sea between Wisconsin and Michigan has played host to a series of rather strange events throughout history. 
Um, some say that this location just is adding fuel to the fire for any of the creepy occurrences. So a lot of the most common things that occur here are um, shipwrecks, UFO sightings, and missing planes. So it all began with the disappearance of Captain George Donner of the O.M. McFarland. And this is one of the spookier tales from the Triangle. Supposedly, in 1937, the freighter was within the Triangle when Donner disappeared from his cabin, just gone. Um, and they said the cabin was locked from the inside, and he was never found aboard the ship, and no one could ever figure out where he'd gone. At all. Um, and then another tragedy occurred in 1950 when Northwest Flight 2501 disappeared over the Triangle while traveling from New York to Seattle. Um, the fact that the plane crashed into Lake Michigan, of course, is undisputed being, duh, they would have found the wreckage otherwise if that weren't the case, but the plane itself has never been found even 68 years later. Crazy stuff. Um, next on our list, we've got the Paulding Light. Now, this one next down on my list, I, I count, but I don't really count because this one's been explained. Um, so the awesome, awesome students at Northern Michigan University explain this phenomenon, but it is still creepy nonetheless because for a long time, it went unexplained. So if you haven't heard of the Paulding Light, you're about to. The Paulding Light, also known as the Dog Metal Light, is a single bright unexplained light, now explained, of course that has appeared in a valley near Paulding, Michigan since the 1960s. Some have explained it away via ghost stories. In the most popular version, a railroad worker was killed in a collision while trying to use a lantern to alert the oncoming train to cars stopped on the tracks. <laughs> that kind of thing is just ridiculous to me that anyone would even think to do that. But um, others attribute the lights to extraterrestrials. No shocker there either. Um, a group of Michigan Tech students in 2010 gave a more reasonable explanation. Um, they said they were able to recreate the light if a car with its headlights on was driving along a specific spot on US 45. Um, so I apologize that I misspoke. It is students from Michigan Tech, not Northern Michigan. But nonetheless, they were able to shed some light, pun intended, on the Paulding light. Next on the list at number five, we have the St. Alban House Ghosts. So this one's a little interesting, but it's really short. Either way, I thought it would make a great addition to all of these. Um, in July of 1929, cult leader Benny Evangelist and his family were murdered in their homes, hacked to death with an axe. Um, the murderer was never found, and the house itself is no longer there. That being said, residents have reported seeing ghosts ranging from a headless man to small children playing in the lot. Um, I... I love how some people think that just, you know, getting rid of the places that cause so much trauma um, will fix a problem like that, will fix that um, type of negative energy. And that's just not the case. Um, as a sensitive myself to those types of energies, I can tell you firsthand that it doesn't matter what you do, that energy will always be there, will always be present. That's something you can't just get rid of. Next on the list at number four, we have the Nain Rouge. This one's a little interesting. So this one's French for Red Dwarf. The Nain Rouge is French for Red Dwarf. Um, and it is an ominous figure in Detroit folklore. I didn't even know they had folklore, and I was born there. It tells you how much I knew about this stuff going into it. Um, so according to legend, Detroit's founder Antoine de la Mothe Cadillac um, encountered a demon-like creature that called itself the Nain Rouge and cursed the entire city. Um, the creature is said to have popped up throughout Detroit's history, usually during tragic events. Um, sightings were reported during the 1805 fire, which burnt almost the entire city to the ground. Um, and during the 1968 race riots, and in 1976, two police officers claimed to see what they thought was a child climbing a utility pole during a brutal snowstorm, only to realize that it was the Nain Rouge. 
In recent years, the Nain Rouge has become a beloved fixture in Detroit. Um, in 2010, citizens began having an annual parade to celebrate the creature, and local wine companies and breweries even make wine and beer in honor of the demonic entity. That being said, the question still remains, has that curse bled over to the frickin' sports teams or not? I think it has. You decide. Next, we have on our list the Bell Telephone Ghost, Michigan Bell Telephone Ghost. So according to local legend, the home of the Michigan Bell Telephone Company in downtown Grand Rapids was once a boarding house called the Judd White House, um, which had quite the grisly history, of course. Shocker. <laughs> um, the story states that a young couple named Warren and Virginia Randall moved into the Judd White House in 1907. At the time, the two were very happy together. Um, in 1908, however, Warren was involved in a mishap at his job with the Indiana Railroad. Ended up costing him his leg. Their marriage began to fall apart from there as Warren became paranoid and thought Virginia was cheating on him. She ultimately left... Um, but he eventually convinced her to see him again and lured her back into the house. When she got inside the house, Warren then bludgeoned Virginia with his wooden leg before tearing a gas fixture from the wall. Um, and then as the fumes began to fill the room, he took a straight razor and slit his own throat, ending the entire ordeal. Um, complaints of a terrible odor then led authorities to discover the bodies later. Um, the boarding house was eventually demolished, and the Michigan Bell Telephone Company built their offices on the empty lot. Um, while the story isn't found on any official records, many locals believe it to be true, of course. Um, people claim that they can still hear the Randalls wailing in the night and also the tapping sound of Warren's wooden leg. Um, yet another example, ladies and gentlemen, of, you know, just that type of energy doesn't leave. It stays. Always does. Um, and even if you demolish what that took place in, it's almost impossible to rid anything of that type of energy. Almost impossible. Um, next on our list, we have the Ada Witch. So an old legend revolves around a cemetery, again, haunted cemeteries, awesome sauce, in Ada, Michigan, where folks say you can encounter the Ada Witch. According to the story, sometime in the 1800s, a man discovered that his wife was having an affair. Gosh, we've got a theme going on here. After catching her in bed with another man, he murdered her and then attacked her lover. The men fought so violently that they both ended up mortally wounded and they both died. Um, the woman in question became known as the Ada Witch and is still believed um, to be buried under a broken tombstone in Findlay Cemetery in Ada, Michigan. Um, people say that they can hear the sounds of the two men grappling and can sometimes even see the ghostly apparition of the Ada Witch, who appears as a woman in white. Legend says she hangs out by her own grave frequently. Shocker. No reason to hang out by anyone else's graves. However, the grave in question likely does not belong to a murdered adulteress. Um, the evidence suggests that the grave really belongs to a woman who died of typhoid in 1870 at the age of 29. Um, eventually, because the legend just would not die out, a company ended up donating a new stone to place over the grave. And now the final installation on our list today... The reason why I wanted to save it for last is because of how peculiar it is. Um, now, this one is supposedly one of the more famous Michigan legends, and that's the legend of the Dog Man. Now, this is the first I had heard of this, but I could see why it would be really popular in Michigan. It's like it's like Dollar General Bigfoot or something. Um, so, one of the most popular urban legends in Michigan involves a tall, dog-like creature with piercing eyes and a screaming howl. Um, it's neither a werewolf nor Bigfoot. Instead, 
you'll find Dogman roaming the northern woods of the Lower Peninsula. Steve Cook, um, then a DJ at a Traverse City radio station, claimed that he started the myth when he made up a song about the Dogman called The Legend as an April Fool's Day joke in 1987. Cook clearly underestimated this legend as people quickly started calling in to the station to corroborate the stories of their encounters. One man recalled an incident with the beast from 1938 when he was approached by a pack of dogs. Several scattered when he fired his rifle, but one simply stood up tall and glared at him before sprinting away like a human. The first reports of Dogman date back to 1887 when two lumberjacks saw a creature with a man's body in a dog's head but there are also similar reports from French fur traders dating as far back as the early 1800s. An unusual animal attack in the nearby town of Luther in 1997 seemed to confirm Cook's prediction of a 10-year cycle for dogman attacks, um, but video evidence of an attack in 2007 turned out to be a hoax. Of course, um, ruin it for everybody by making fake stuff. Cool. With the next round of dogman sightings expected in 2017, the public waited for something to happen, um, but... I haven't found any documentation of any sightings since 2007, um, but of course that was a hoax anyway. But if you see the Dogman for yourself, tell them that the Mysterious Michigander podcast would like an interview. That's it for today's show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sticking around. Next week, like I said at the beginning, we will be talking about the Zodiac Killer and his timeline. But until then, stay spooky, everybody.